Welcome to This Academic Life, episode 58. If you're interested in being a sponsor, then please contact us at sponsor at thisacademiclife.org. Hi, my name is Kim Michelle Lewis. I'm a professor of physics and associate dean of research. Hi, my name is Pania Newell. I'm a professor of mechanical engineering. Hi, my name is Lucy Zhang. I am also a professor of mechanical engineering. Welcome back, everybody. We took a little short break from the summer, but here we are again getting ready for the new academic year. As we're recording this, many schools had already started their semester. We thought we will dedicate this episode to talk about time management. Time management skills are very important for professors as well as students. How can we be efficient and effective all at the same time? That takes skillful planning and practice and being flexible and be adaptable to situations. So let's talk about professors. And we, all of us are professors here, but of course it equally can be applied to instructors or academic administrators. So we'll just start by asking Kim, any particular tips or experiences that you would like to share? Yeah, thanks, Lucy. So as an academic administrator, the way I've taken notes and used planners have changed dramatically. I found when I was a professor, I didn't rely too much on like the day planners and the calendars, although I still would use them. It was more as if I used my research lab notebook to write down thoughts and plot out ideas and things of that nature. And I use a very generic calendar like Office 365 to kind of put in time blocks for what days I'm going to teach, what days I'm going to have office hours, what days I'm going to have group meeting, and what days I will have departmental activities. But I found that as an academic administrator, those things just don't work as well as they used to. And I think it's only because of the volume of meetings and things I have to write down and digest and comprehend and follow up on. So I started in the very beginning, just spending a lot of time looking to the best day planner. And I would spend hours on Amazon looking for the right color and the right type of paper and how many pages it had. I was just obsessed with, with day planners. And then I would spend hours looking for the right pencils and the right pens and the right highlighters. And it was all just to organize the amount of information that was coming at me on a daily basis. Like in 10 minutes, like so many faculty members would have reached out to me and I'm grabbing a highlighter. And then I'm like, oh, Dr. So-and-so has yellow in. <laughs> and I was like, this is not going to work. But nevertheless, I always felt like writing was always in my subconscious. And I found that typically to be the best way to keep track of things. Thank you, Kim. That was great. I think one of those uh, time blocking that you mentioned, I use that very religiously because things that I feel that I have control over, for example, teaching schedule mm -hmm. or office hours, 
whether you want to consolidate them. If you teach two classes, you might want to do them all on the same day because you'll be sort of focused all the overhead will be effectively smaller if you put them all together. So I would do time blocking like that for the things I feel like I can control. And then leave some free time for things that are unexpectedly might happen. I always uh, cushion 15 minutes before and after a meeting just so that in case something goes over, like research meeting or something. Things that I cannot control are certainly <laughs> you can't plan, but I built that into my calendar as well. Just, you know, I, if nothing comes up, that will be my relaxed time or thinking time, whatever it is. Yeah, for me also is the same. I think that teaching is the easy one to start with. One thing that I try to do, I try to lump most of my uh, meetings with the students on our teaching days too, because either before that you need to prepare for the lectures. And then after that, I, I typically have my office hours right after teaching. So and then I put the meetings back to back, those that I have control, like a one-on-one -on -one meeting with the students. And I try to make sure that I block times in days that I don't do teaching for uh, myself, that I can allocate them for writings or uh, doing research and readings. Uh, but well, obviously, sometimes, as you all know, we don't have control and uh, like the associate dean wants to meet with you and that's the only time that they are available <laughs> so you need to be flexible but I try to block those times throughout the semester too yeah one thing that comes up for me a lot is I wake up I go to the office I can put in a good 10 hours at work. Just I'm at the office 10 hours. And while I'm walking home, I'm thinking to myself, what did I do today? <laughs> Literally, I'm thinking, what did I do today? I was definitely at work. People saw me. I answered the phone. I, I remember checking email, but what did I do that was a priority or important? And so I found this tool called Clockify and it helped me log my time. I used to read all these time management books. And one thing that was a reoccurring comment was log your time as if you were a lawyer or an accountant. So every time they pick up the phone to talk to a client, they jot down the time start and the time end. And that's the billable hours, right? So I decided to use this Clockify app to do that. And wow, I realized where I was spending a lot of my time. And it was very useful. And even though I would still walk home after 10 hours, <laughs> what did I do? I can just open up Clockify. And I was like, yes, I spent too much time in meetings. And it will ask, actually tell you your top client. So say, you know, this week, Kim, your top client was faculty. And I'm like, makes sense. I'm the associate dean of research. I should be spending a lot of time with faculty. This I'm doing a great job. And then sometimes it will say your top client was email. And I'm like, oh boy, that's not good, right? I shouldn't spend so much of my time on email. So I found that to be a very useful tool to just kind of recalibrate at the end of the day 
where I spent too much time so that tomorrow I can start with faculty instead of email or something like that. So that was one good app that I use. That's uh, actually, I quite relate to that feeling that at the end of the day, like you reflect and it's like, what did I do? And most of the time for me, when I go home, my husband asks like, how was your day? And it's like, not productive because I spent all day long in boring meetings or meetings that nothing came out of it. And so I totally understand. And I, and I guess that's the motivation that I try to block some time that I do things that I want to do, not I'm not forced to do. I used to have a spreadsheet that I wrote a program for with a button in the sheet where you can clock your time for different things. I'm sorry, I still have it available. I haven't used it in years, but you can you can clock your research time, teaching time, or meeting time, or service time, or whatever it is. I re- remember having a few categories that I built for myself, and I will click a button to start the clock, click button again to stop the clock. At the end of each day, it'll accumulate, add up all the hours and minutes together into a total. And at the end of each month, each week, it'll total. And I even have a pie chart showing me the percentages of each category. Did you sell that one to Apple or Google or somebody? You should have done that. I tell you, but but I think one thing is right. Um, <laughs> Kim, you mentioned that it's good to know because at the end you might not like you might feel so not productive and everything. Um, but uh, uh, but this tool actually gave you that sense of some kind of accomplishment because you visually see you know that you did it. You did spend the time, and it also uh, adding the total from a local perspective and the and gradually kind of zoom out into the weeks and months, you can reprioritize because things might change. Uh, Each month maybe have a different priority and all that can help you readjust and be flexible and feeling somewhat accomplished. That's, I got to bring out that tool again. It's not surprising that Lucy had a spreadsheet for this thing already prepared. But one thing, thinking about time management along those same lines. So within the past year, so I started out the beginning of the podcast saying up until, right, a couple of years ago, this is what I would do. And so now I'm going to bring it to the present. So probably within the past year and a half, I realized I was starting to have backaches. It took me a while to realize this, but I was just carrying too many things to and from the office. And when I looked in my bag, it was like a bunch of notebooks, like this notebook and a research notebook and a day planner and regular notebook for random thoughts. I was just like, why am I carrying so many notebooks? And I realized that was contributing to a lot of my back aches because I'm walking to and from campus. And then I always have this fear that I'm going to get mugged and I'm not worried about them stealing my wallet and my phone. I'm worried about them taking my lab notebooks. <laughs> I'm worried about them taking my lab notebooks. And I'm like, oh, oops. <laughs> I'm, 
So it's like, you can't get that back, right? I can get the driver's license back. And of course I can't get my life back, but I'm just saying relatively speaking. So I moved to electronic note-taking and I started using OneNote because our platform at work is Teams and Office 365. So I started using OneNote and it, and it was good because you're always on the laptop and especially because it was COVID and we was already virtual. It just made sense that while I'm on Zoom, I can just take my notes electronically and I can move very smoothly through conversations when people called me and then I can stop, click the Clockify app. Hey, I'm talking to this person, stop it. And it was just very smooth because you're already on the computer. And two, electronic notes was good because I refused to turn my second bedroom into an office space. So I only bought a big enough desk to put my laptop in the monitor. And I was refusing to buy a L-shaped or U-shaped. I was just not going to do it. So having a notebook on my desk was a big inconvenience, right? Because I didn't have much space for it. I barely had space for a keyboard and a mouse. So moving to uh, electronic note-taking was very good. And then I realized I became bored with the electronic note-taking. It wasn't fun. I couldn't switch pencils. Like that physical thought process of putting down purple a purple pen and picking up a red pen. Like I missed that. When you go to electronic note-taking, I just missed that switching. So I needed something else that kind of energized me and engaged me a little bit more. So I found this, another app called uh, Capacities. I really like it because it allows me the ability to just write down notes and tag things without thinking about whether or not it should be in this folder or that folder or this folder. And it's like an object-based management tool. So I can have a conversation with Panya. She calls me in the middle of something that I'm doing. I can take some notes and then I can tag it and say Panya podcast, for example. And then I can recall those things by just typing in the search bar podcast and then it will come up. And what it does very nicely is if I'm talking to a colleague and I'm like, oh, this will be a good podcast, but I don't want to switch to my notes with Panya and podcast. I can just type in that meeting, my podcast thought, boom, it's there. And then I can do a mind map. And it'll blow up a little bit of a, a web. When you think of a spider web, it kind of have all these branches. And I can just type podcast. And then it will display like a mind map of all of the conversations where the word podcast came up. And then I can just go and say, yep, that was the conversation where I talked to Panya about that. And so everything is mapped out. And it very much feels very organized. Although your brain is so complicated and so complex, your brain has the ability to map things very logically. And now you have this tool that kind of mimics how your brain put these pieces together. So it's really, really cool. I really like it. It still doesn't give me that subconscious thought of putting the purple pen down and picking up a highlighter. And But it gives me that awareness that I'm not stressed about not being able to find something that I thought about. So if a thought crossed my mind, I can put it in and not be afraid to lose it, which could often happen when you're dealing with paper and pencil. You're like, was it on page eight? Was it on page nine? You know, you just, you get frantic because you can't find it fast enough when your brain needs it. 
But at least with this, I can type it in the search bar and it'll mind map it to, even if I can't recall exactly what happened, it will help me just by pulling up the keywords. So I really like it a lot. A few years ago, I first heard the word brain dump. So after I heard it, I said, oh my goodness, it's actually quite powerful. So at the time, at that moment, when I learned this word, I had a lot of stuff going on, had a lot of projects in my mind that I would like to pursue, but it was getting really overwhelming. So I used the, the practice of the brain dump. I just simply put it down. I put it down. Uh, I first put it down on a piece of paper and then I felt better. And then I used uh, what Kim and uh, Panya was talking about to organize them. So I then put it onto a spreadsheet and then do a little bit more organization. I felt so much better uh, with that exercise. I feel like, oh, now I can stay more focused. I can be more efficient. And I think being organized person, <laughs> it's almost like you have to go through that process, right? Otherwise, the stuff that we're all dealing with every day, just so much so much content, you, you have to sort it out and then stay organized in some way. I have one question. How do you manage your email responses? Those can be a time sucker, right? They constantly come in, they don't end. And it's like uh, Seinfeld Newman's <laughs> delivering mail, it never ends. Do you manage your electronic time in some way or... In, do you plan it or do you like turn it off a few hours a day? For me, it's a work in progress. Uh, I've tried different things. I have tried the new option on the cell phones that reads your emails to you. So I would just put in my earbuds, walk to work, and I just hit play. And it would just read all of the emails that I haven't opened up and it was pretty cool. Now the downside is then the phone is talking to you and saying, Kim, one new message from professor, blah, 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 professor, blah, blah, blah. And it starts reading the message. And then while it's reading, I'm responding in real time as if the phone is going to reply back. So I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. No, that's too much money. Well, why, well, why didn't you tell me that yesterday when I, unless I'm in the whole conversation, <laughs> Wow, the phone is reading the email. And then when it gets to the end, it says, would you like to delete, respond, or play next message? I'm like, delete. <laughs> and it's terrible because in my mind, I responded. I, you know, I just didn't get, but so that was cool to at least be able to listen to the messages without the stress of reading them because listening just seems easier. But being confident enough that you could dictate the response in email was becoming an issue, especially when you're walking and sirens in the background. But it was helpful. It's still hard because my my inbox is a lot and I still struggle with it, how to keep uh, the emails. I have been trying to get the faculty to move away from sending me emails. And 
it's working for most of them. So for example, I tell them to sign up for 15 minute office hours with me. So just 15 minutes, sign up and get on a call and just be like, Hey, can I reuse my soda package? Or can I roll it just really quick? And some of them do that, but others don't. But I've been trying different strategies to get the faculty members to just don't email me when you feel like the response is very quick. But it's still very hard to get faculty to do that. But I have to try because the email is definitely out of control and it turns into escalations very, very quickly. Yes. So for me, I think that I try to be disciplined with myself. I turn off notifications. All notifications are off and I I try not to be distracted. My phone is not synced with my email, so I don't have it on my phone. So it's my phone is a dumb phone. <laughs> so it just has some specific app that I, I needed, like Uber, <laughs> that uh, when I go to conferences and things like that, because those constant messages popping up, it just distract you. One thing that is very annoying for me for the emails is the amount of junk emails that I get, like all these weird conferences that they are sending to you that, oh, we want you to give a beat, like, I don't know, the golden speaker of this conference, and it's not even related to your research. Those things are very time consuming to even delete them. You know, software programmers because they always they need very very focused time all the time because they that's what they do um i know quite a few of them and they really do turn those off in blocks of time and they would only check their emails at a certain time frame uh, during the day so uh, very disciplined for them that's almost like a necessity uh, they have to do it. Otherwise, they're in the middle of writing a program and the email <laughs> come in. You have to rethink, oh, what is the logic again? <laughs> so perhaps we can practice that. I'm not sure. I also have trouble managing emails. Uh, what I usually do with emails is that I look at them. If it's a quick response, I just do it right away so I don't think about it. And then the ones that need a little bit more time for me to think about the response or to absorb the information, I just go back and then uh, label it as unmarked or flag it somehow so I can follow up with it later when I have evening time or at night so I can have more focused time just doing that. One thing I, I realized um, when you started talking about the software, often I feel like I'm the help desk. How do you do this? How do you do that? How do you start a proposal? How do you, can you help me with your budget justification? Da, 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 da. And it's the same questions. So I started preparing documents. So if they say, Dr. Lewis, how do I request my sort of funds? Then I will send them a document. And then sometimes they feel like it's impersonal. So they're like, every time you email her, she just send you a one page document. So, and, and so then I begin thinking, okay, yeah, I can see how that feels impersonal, right? Because every time you ask me a question, I send you a PDF file with the instructions on how to do the question that you asked. So sometimes now I have to kind of balance the PDF document with some words. Be like, hey, how are you? I hope you had a great weekend. Look at the PDF document. <laughs> it's pretty funny that, you know, people don't want you to feel so mechanical. And so I get it. And trying to explain to them that I get asked this question at least 13 times a week, it doesn't help. They don't care. 
they still want me to personalize that email. Even if I send them to the website, they're like, every time I ask her a question, she always sending me to the website. I don't know what to say. So I, I think I'll have to use maybe something to personalize the email, but still redirect them to the I have a solution website. for that. Yes. You should use chat GPT. I thought about that, but then they will they will be like, oh, we didn't know Kim is so lovely. <laughs> She's not sending PDF. One last thing I would like to uh, seek your opinion is when you're managing time, we've been talking about work, but what about life? What about other stuff? Do you put that into your calendar? I mean, I do because kids have a lot of fixed time activities. So I put those in, uh, in my, into my calendar. So they're all kind of merged. I have different color coded for their activities for my own work. You, what about you guys? Do you do anything to block the designated time for just relax? Just wine time, you know? <laughs> wine and wine. <laughs> no. <laughs> I try to actually keep work very separate and personal life. And and luckily, my husband, he's in charge of my personal life schedules. Like if I have an appointment, he tells me, oh, tomorrow you have this dentist appointment. But if he doesn't tell me, it's not on my calendar and I'm going to miss it. So that's uh, because I get overwhelmed when I see already when I look at the my week work schedule, it's all covered. And imagine if those, they come on top of it. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> but I, sadly, I do not have, uh, which I think it's important. I do not have personal time, me time or downtime or any time on my calendar. I have those times that I block for reading, but they are work related. No, I don't block out any any personal time. It well, with the exception of if I have a subscription to something. So like for a while I went to acupuncture once a week and it was already prepaid for and it was already a set schedule Sundays, you know, from 10 to 11, that's what I did. So that was blocked out in when I had a subscription to go to Massage Envy, for example, that was pre-blocked out because it was already prepaid. So anything that I prepaid for gets on a calendar. But other than that, I don't block anything else off unless I am watching, I guess this was the third thing. If there is a TV show that comes on weekly and I'm a big fan of it, then that's probably the only other time I block off time where I do not DVR. People keep saying, why you got to get off the phone at eight and you need to just DVR and watch it at 8.30 and 8.15. And I'm like, no, I'm sorry. I have to watch it when the rest of the world is watching it. So DVR, like who does that? If it comes on at eight, I need to watch it with the world at eight. So that's the only other time that I really like block off time. I will not answer the phone, no notifications. I even get annoyed if I hear like other people coming out of their condo and they're into, I'm like, what does that sound? Like, I'm like, seriously, I'm watching my show. Like you seriously want to like talk in the hallway while my show is on. So I'm like, really, really anal. <laughs> I, I need it to be quiet and focused, no interruptions when I'm watching a TV show with the world. I love that. I love that. 
<laughs> all right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for your thoughts and sharing all your uh, fun facts about how you manage your time. Hopefully, some of the things that we provided, some tips and experiences can be helpful to you in managing your time for the new academic year. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this conversation. You can follow us on Facebook and listen to our latest episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, or Google Podcasts. If you're interested in being a sponsor, then please contact us at sponsor at thisacademiclife.org. Join us next time for the good, the bad, and the ugly of this academic life.